Well, good morning. Didn't know you were going to have a legend here this morning, did you? One of the many reasons I love your pastor. Evidently, he doesn't get out near enough. So uh, I am delighted to be here. Take your Bibles, if you would. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. While you're turning there, I want to make a few short Quick announcements. One, I want to say on behalf of First Priority, thank you for the investment that you make into myself, into our ministry, and all that God is doing in our schools in Morgan and Lawrence County. Over 8,000 students a month attend our Christian clubs on 50-plus campuses in Morgan and Lawrence County. And as you heard, uh, hopefully, prayerfully this week with three more clubs that are sharing the gospel, we will go over 4,500 students that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior on the public school campus in just Morgan and Lawrence County. So we are blessed. Amen. You can clap for that. We have some exciting things that are on the horizon for us, and Brother Blake has asked me to come back in February and to share those with you, so I won't go into that. So that's my first priority announcement. But now I want to say thank you to you as a church for investing in your pastor. Uh, For him to be able to go away for a few days with his family, Uh, I have been and served on a church staff for 30 plus years. I know you're amazed by that since I'm 27, but... um, I served for over 30 years on a local church staff, and I tell you what I see. In the ministry that I'm in now, a nonprofit ministry that is not totally connected to the local church, every week of my ministry, now hear me with this, I have a pastor, a student pastor, a children's pastor, a worship pastor, or somebody that serves on staff in my office saying, man, can I just talk to you? Can I just pour myself out to you? Listen, Pastors, believe it or not, don't have near as many friends as you think we have. They don't have somebody that they can go to and take the mask off and say, man, I'm hurting and I I need help. I need restoration. You don't want to go to your church staff because sometimes they feel like that's a weakness. These are the guys and, and gals that I'm trying to lead and I can't really go and just share myself and be myself. And at the same time, I don't want to go to the deacons because then they're going to, you know, my job's at stake and I don't want to do that. And many times they don't have anybody that they can go to. And for you to say, hey, we want you and your family to go away, to be away, to not worry about First Baptist Church and just enjoy yourself as a family. I want you to know this as the body of Christ here at First Baptist Church. God will bless you immensely for doing that. I hope that you love your pastor, not just by words, but by deed as well. And this is one of the ways that you can show him that. And again, I know you're thankful for him. It is exciting to me to see what God's doing here at First Baptist Church. And keep pressing on. Keep pressing towards Jesus, all right? Hebrews chapter 10. I want you to stand, if you would, in honor of the reading of God's precious word. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to begin at verse 5. And I'm reading from the King James Version this morning. So if yours is a little different, uh, that may be uh, why. But we're going to read just three verses, 5 through 7. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 5. If you're there, say amen. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, 
Oh God, have you ever thought about the conversation in heaven between God the Father and God the Son concerning the Son coming to earth and coming to Bethlehem? If you would say, Brother Larry, I would have loved to have heard that conversation you just did. That was the conversation between God the Father and God the Son before he came to Bethlehem. Let's pray together. Father, take the reading of your word. And Lord, as I preach this morning, I thank you for these dear people. But God, I pray most of all that you would open our hearts and open our ears, that we not just be hearers of your word this morning, but we do be doers also. Lord, we welcome you. Thank you for what you're already doing in this place. And bless now the preaching and teaching of your word in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. I want to take the next few moments and talk to you about the missed message of Christmas. The missed message of Christmas. The Wright brothers, Orville and Wilbur, had attempted to put a plane in the air and to fly many, many times. But in December of 1903, they finally succeeded and they got the plane off of the ground. After they did that, they sent a telegram to their sister, Catherine, and this is what the telegram said. We have actually flown 120 feet. We'll be home for Christmas. Catherine was super excited, so she took that telegram, and she went down to the local newspaper, and she found the editor, and she showed the editor of the newspaper that telegram. So the editor reads the telegram, and here's what the editor says. Nice. The boys will be home for Christmas. Think about this. Here's a man who had the opportunity to tell the world that someone has flown, but he missed the message. He missed the message. Now, obviously, it is the Christmas season and the time that we start celebrating Christmas. Statistics tell us 98% of Americans celebrate Christmas. 97% of Americans exchange gifts. 94% of Americans put up a Christmas tree after Thanksgiving. That's really not included in the statistics, but I thought I'd throw that out. And sometimes people would say, well, that's because we're we're, we're so religious. And I I don't think that that's really the case because statistics say that 58% of atheists in America celebrate Christmas. I believe many times we really miss Christmas, and certainly we miss the message of Christmas. But I don't want to be too hard on us this morning, because in the Bible times, there was a lot of religious people that missed Christmas too. You see, the first, there was the innkeeper. The innkeeper missed Christmas. He, he really could have done better. What, what did he say? He said, I don't have a room. There is no room. Now, I know a lot of you guys travel, and and if you've driven cross-country, as my family and I have many, many times as I was growing up, you know you're exhausted, you've driven all day, you're just, all you want to do is just lay your head down and get a little bit of rest. You're in a place that you're not familiar with, you pull into a town, you go up to the desk clerk, and you say, hey, I need a room, and there's nothing worse than hearing that person say, there are no rooms, there is 
no vacancy. You see, the innkeeper could have given him his room, but he didn't do that. Think about this. The innkeeper, what he did was he gave the Lord a place, but he didn't give the Lord the place. There's a huge difference there. He gave the Lord a place, but he didn't give the Lord the place. And guys, listen to me. If we're not careful when it comes to Christianity, we will give the Lord a place, but we won't give him the place. So the innkeeper missed Christmas. I want you to think about Herod. Herod missed Christmas. Now history tells us that Herod was a paranoid guy. He had three sons killed because he thought they wanted his throne. He had two of his wives killed because he was paranoid that they were going to try to do a plot and take over his throne. I mean, if there had been football in that day, go dogs, thought I'd throw that in. If there had been football in that day and Herod was to attend the game, if he would have seen teams huddling, he would have been in a great panic thinking they were talking about him. He was extremely, extremely paranoid. But here's the reason. He was worried about himself. He was so worried about somebody taking his throne that he missed Christmas. Guys, listen to me. If you make Christmas all about you, you're going to miss Christmas. Here's what I know to be a fact. When you give flowers, it leaves a fragrance on you. When you give of yourself, it leaves an impression on you. So the innkeeper missed Christmas, Herod missed Christmas, but notice also that the religious people of the day missed Christmas. They, they missed it. You, you might say, well, Brother Larry, so what you're saying is I can be really, really religious and miss Christmas. You know, I hear people say all the time, well, well, I'm faithful to the house of God, and I give, and I, I go on mission trips, and I've been baptized here, and, and I've been baptized in the Jordan River on, on, on mission trips, and I help the needy, and, and we make a list of all of these things so everybody knows how religious we are, but I want you to know something this morning. We can truly be so religious that we miss Christmas. Think about this. The wise men traveled 1,500 miles. In Matthew chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, just see what it says here on the screen. They started saying, where, where is he at? And Herod began all, to get all paranoid, and here's what he said. Get the religious people together. Get all the scribes and the, get the chief priests together. And he said, by the way, where is this guy going to be born? That's what you see in, in those verses. Where, where is he going to be born? And they said, Herod, he's going to be born in Bethlehem, about five miles south from here. But you know what was amazing about that? They knew where he was going to be born, but they didn't go. They knew what was going to happen, but they didn't participate. You see, he made the announcement to the shepherds. They knew where he was going to be born, but they weren't willing to travel five miles to see where the Savior was born. You know what that tells me? We can be really religious and miss Christmas. Don't get so caught up in being religious that you really miss the meaning of Christmas. See, as wonderful as his birth was, his birth won't save you. 
as wonderful as the miracles were that he did, as great as they were, his miracles won't save you. As profound as his teaching was and the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ, his teachings won't save you. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me this morning. If you hear nothing else I say, please get this. What saves us is the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what saves us. And so many times we look for a sign. We look for something else when that, my friend, is what saves us. I want you to notice a few other mis-messages. First of all, there's the mis-message of the place of his birth. I actually learned this when I was studying this passage, and this is really, really awesome. If you read Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says that he will be born in Bethlehem. Now, we all know, we, we all know that, but notice what it says. Micah chapter 2, verse 5, but thou, watch, Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, who's going forth, who have been from old, from everlasting. Why did he say, or why does it say, Bethlehem Ephrata? Now I want you to watch this. You have to understand that during this time, there were two Bethlehems in Israel. How many of you know there's two Bethlehems in Israel? Look around. Not very many. I didn't either. But I, I want you to watch this. There was a Bethlehem up in the north by Nazareth, and then there was a Bethlehem down south by Jerusalem, and it was called Bethlehem Ephrata. Now, I want you to watch this. Get this down. This will make a dead Baptist shout right here. He was born in Bethlehem Ephrata. Now, watch this. You got a a note sheet with you in your bulletin, so I hope hope you're taking notes. Bethlehem means... House of bread. House of bread. Ephrata means fruit of the vine. Now watch this. Bethlehem Ephrata, the body and the blood. The message from the very beginning was that his body will be wounded and his blood will be shed for our sins. Listen, he was born to die for the sins of the world. So there's the mis-message of the place of his birth. But I want you to also notice that there's the mis-message of the piece of his clothing. The kids quoted this, <coughs> excuse me, earlier in Luke chapter 2 and verse 12. Now listen to what it says. And this shall be a sign unto you. You have to get that. See, sometimes we read the Bible just for the sake of reading the Bible, and if we're not careful, we'll miss what God's really saying to us. So watch what he says, and this shall be a sign unto you, a sign, a signal. For those of you who always have to say, well, if God gives me a sign, I'll believe it. Here's what he's saying. Pay attention. I'm about to give you a sign. All right, watch what it says. And this shall be a sign unto you. Watch this. You shall find a babe, watch, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, here's what I want you to understand. In biblical times, when a man or his family was going on uh, to travel on a great distance, 
that it was going to either be hard or even possibly deadly, before they left, they would take gauze and they would wrap it around themselves as much as they could possibly get and continuously wrap it because if there was a death on the journey, that gauze or those what they called swaddling clothes could be used to wrap the corpse. Now watch this. So when Jesus was wrapped up in swaddling clothes, those, those clothes were used in death, and the message was simply this. He came to die. He came to die. But there's a third message that we miss, and that is the presence the wise men brought. Now, we all know what they brought. They brought gold. What else? Frankincense. And myrrh. Now I want you to think about those just, just very quickly here. They brought gold. Gold was something that was used as a gift for a king. Very precious, very pricely. So they brought that gold to him, but then they brought something called frankincense. Now frankincense was used by the high priest in worship, and it was God's way, as they brought that to Jesus, it was God's way of saying, there's no more need for a high priest because he is the high priest. So they brought him gold, they brought him frankincense, and then they brought him myrrh. Now myrrh was a perfume that they got from a tree. Listen, it was used to prepare bodies for burial. Are you getting the picture of what God's laying out for us? It was used to prepare bodies for burial. And so when those wise men brought that myrrh and they placed it at the feet of Jesus, they were acknowledging he's come to die, he's come to die for our sins. Now listen, I I don't want to put a damper on your Christmas. But Christmas is about Jesus being born in Bethlehem, growing up a sinless man, and going to the cross of Calvary and paying your sin debt and my sin debt. You see, you'll never hear that from society. But listen, my friend, he was born with a purpose. It wasn't just happenstance. It wasn't just by chance. He was born with a purpose. So what is the message of Christmas? We've already talked about all of the possibilities and all of the ways that even Christians and religious people missed, totally missed the message of Christmas. But I want to ask you and I a question this morning. Because we get caught up in the lights and the trees and and everything that goes with it, and listen to me, absolutely nothing wrong with that. But if we're not careful, this is what we'll see Christmas to be. When in reality, you have folks and I have folks and you have family members and I have family members and coworkers and students, classmates, we all have people all around us that have totally missed the message of Christmas And you and I have to take the responsibility of sharing the gospel with other people seriously. How many people do you know have the potential of splitting hell wide open because you and I have not shared the gospel with them? 
You see, we will all say, oh, I'm grieved. I'm grieved at my friends and my family and my classmates and all of these people that I know that God has already put in my circle of influence. I'm grieved that they don't know Christ. Are you kind of like these that said, oh, I know he's going to be born, but I'm not going to make the effort to go. Are you in a place today to say, I know they're lost and without Christ, but I don't have time to go. Let me tell you what the message of Christmas is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Listen to me. That, my friend, is the message of Christmas. I read a story this week of a guy who was not very well-to-do, and he really didn't even like the thought of Christmas coming up because he knew it was going to be another time that he just didn't have much to give to his family. He was out shopping one day, and he come up on some gold wrapping paper, and he thought, man, regardless of what I can give, if I can just wrap it in this gold wrapping paper, they're going to think it's really something special. So he buys this gold wrapping paper, and he brings it home, and he sets it to where he'll be able to get it when he starts to wrap his gifts. So he gets his gifts together. He goes to get the wrapping paper, and the wrapping paper's gone. And he goes to his little daughter, and he says, hey, I bought some gold wrapping paper. Have you seen it? And she said, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen it. I wrapped your present in it. Well, he was furious. He felt like, man, I had sacrificed for this gold wrapping paper. And she didn't understand the cost involved, and she just took it and used it to wrap presents. And and I was going to, I mean, I had an intent for that thing. And so he kind of chilled out a little bit, and he gets to Christmas, and here she comes with that shoebox wrapped in that gold wrapping paper. And she walks into the room, and she says, Dad, this is for you. And so he begins to unwrap that shoebox and that gold wrapping paper that he felt like he paid a great price for. And he opens up the box and realizes that there's absolutely nothing inside the box. Now he becomes more irate than he was before. Not only did she use my paper, but she used it to wrap a box that there's nothing inside. And so he asked her, honey, why did you use my gold paper to wrap nothing? I mean, it's just an empty box. There's nothing inside. And she looks her dad in the eye, and here's what she says. Oh, dad, it's full. That box is full. She said, I put all of my hugs and kisses in that box when I wrapped it. Here's what she said. You missed what I put inside. Guys, listen to me. We're so busy looking for what helps us that sometimes we miss what other people need. 
Sometimes we're so busy worried about the wrapping paper that we miss what's actually been inside that we just totally miss the message of. Nothing wrong with trees and lights and presents and all of those things. Listen, this is an amazing time of year. But let's not be so religious that we miss the message of Christmas. Let me tell you what's in your box. There's a baby in a manger that's in your box. He was born to die for the sins of the world. Wasn't just a baby. Wasn't just another baby. Wasn't just an awesome story that they were able to tell in the Bible. No, 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 no. Listen, God ordained. There was a purpose in his birth. Don't miss the message. But let me tell you also, something else in your box is the cross of Calvary. He was born to die. And he died on an old rugged cross for your sins and my sins. That, my friend, is the message of Christmas. Don't miss what God has in your box. Bow your heads with me if you would. As our musicians and our singers are coming, <clears throat> I want to ask a couple of questions, if you would. Just every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. I promise you this, I will not embarrass you in any way at all. But I want to ask you this question. Maybe this morning, through what's been shared through Scripture, you would say, you know, I don't know if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I want to know, Brother Larry, will you just pray for me? Again, I promise you this, I won't come to you, I won't embarrass you, but I will pray for you. How many of you in this room today, I don't know if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I want to know, please pray for me. If you'll hold your hand up high enough for me to see, and you can put it right back down. Again, I won't embarrass you in any way. I don't know if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I want to know, pray for me. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Up in the balcony. I don't know if I die today, I go to heaven, but I want to know. Pray for me, Brother Larry. Wonder how many are in this place that would say, you know, I know there's been a time in my life that I've asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come into my heart and into my life and save me, but man, I've made a mess of my testimony. I'm not living for God like I should, and I know that, and maybe today you would get back on track and say, man, I don't want to miss the message of Christmas. I don't want to miss the message of his birth. I don't want to miss the message of Calvary. And I have to be about sharing the gospel with people that God's already put in my path. And today, I just need a fresh start with the Lord. Listen, not to be saved again, but to go back and just recommit your life to the Lord and say, God, I just want a fresh start with you today. I want to recommit myself afresh and anew today. If that's you, just raise your hand. Put it right back up, right back down. God bless you, bless you. All over the building, bless you. Stand with me if you would. I'm going to pray for us. And as soon as I'm done praying, maybe you've been visiting here a long time and God has said, hey, this is where I want you to join up and join hands and arms with the army and the body of believers here at First Baptist. I want to invite you to come. Maybe you just need to get around this altar and make things right with the Lord. Maybe you're one of the ones of the many that raised their hand this morning that said, hey, I don't know if I die today, I'd go to heaven, but I want to know, pray for me. I would love the opportunity 
to take the word of God and show you how you can leave this place knowing that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. Don't miss the message of Christmas. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you for these that have enough courage and boldness to raise their hand and say, God, I I don't know if I die today, I'd go to heaven, but I want to know. Lord, I pray that you would give them the courage and the boldness to step out and come and take one of these pastors by the hand and to simply say, I want to know Jesus. And Lord, we'll help them on their journey of faith. God, for the many that raised their hand this morning and said, "I, I know Jesus, but man, I'm backslidden on God. I'm not living for God like I should. God, I pray they'd have enough courage and boldness to step out of their seat, simply come down to this altar and get on their face before you and say, God, help me, restore me, refresh me, that I can be all that you want me to be for the kingdom. God, maybe many of us need to come and just get on our face this morning and say thank you. Thank you for the manger. Thank you for the cross of Calvary and the shed blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses from every sin. God, we're so guilty to come to you and say, here's my list of all the things that I want you to do and that I need you to do. And many sometimes, this is the way I want you to do it. But God, when was the last time that many of us in this room came to you with nothing on our list but to simply say, God, thank you. Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you for the way you've blessed me and healed me. And God, you've touched me and you've blessed my family and you've blessed my children. God, make us a grateful people. Lord, again, for those that maybe you're calling to join up with this fellowship, may today be the day that they do that. They can wait till Blake gets here, but Lord, maybe they just want to step out today and say, this is where I'm supposed to be and I want to make it right today. God, whatever you're calling us to do, I pray you would move on the hearts of people. And again, may we not miss the message of Jesus. And we'll thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen.